true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you believe that this morning? You know, uh, interesting, yesterday, some of you, most of you don't know, I was, uh, had some classes this week, and I was flying back last night, got to the airport about 1 o'clock in Tampa, got home at 3.30 in the morning. It was awesome. Very, very fun. And uh, the plane kept getting delayed and flights are getting delayed. And so we showed up at Charlotte and got in Charlotte, which is where my connector flight was. And my flight was supposed to leave at like 9.15 and we arrived at like 9 o'clock. And so I'm getting ready to run to get off the airplane. And they said, don't worry, it's okay because some of the flights have been delayed. And that's when we were on the airplane. And then we walked off the airplane into this mass of humanity. Every person in Charlotte was at the airport. That's what it exactly, I mean, there were people everywhere. And, and it was just this mass of people. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, who's going to preach tomorrow? <laughs> I'm really thinking because they're canceling flights all over the place. I'm like, this is going to be interesting. And I'm thinking, now what's going to happen, you know? So trust me, I was thinking through who I was going to call. You're lucky I didn't call you last night because, you know, I was going through the list. And I'm thinking, who's going to do this? And the Lord worked it out. And we got on the airplane. And as I was walking down, still kind of a little bit nasty weather, this thought occurred to me. Because I'm walking on the airplane, and it's late now. It's almost midnight. And I go to get on the airplane, and I look inside the cockpit, and I say, hey, have you guys had coffee? <laughs> have y'all had coffee? Because it's late. And we all laughed, and I went back, and, and let me ask you a question, talking about what Trish just said. Isn't it interesting, the people that we trust that we don't ever think about? Because think about it. When's the last time you got on an airplane that you thought, you know what? I'm about to go to 30,000 feet with somebody I don't know in an airplane that I don't know anything about, and they're going to fly me around, and you probably don't even think about it. You trust the pilot. You don't even know them. You trust that the guy that built the engine wasn't asleep that day and just started putting, he didn't get done with the engine and look around and go, what are all these extra parts? <laughs> right? You had implicit trust. And I'll tell you what I do before I get on an airplane, I walk up and I always put my hand on it. I pray over that aircraft that everything goes right. But, but I think it's amazing how often we just go through life and we just, we have this implicit trust of, of people around us. And yet sometimes when it comes to God, we back up. And, and we take our trust from him and we put it in ourselves because we don't know if he can handle stuff. Dennis, is that true? It's true, isn't it? And I want to encourage you today as I'm going through this message because I know what some of you are going through. I want you to think about who do I trust? Do I really trust God? Do I really know God? And that's what we're talking about today. This is week three in our series. It's the final sermon in the series. And, and it's about Jesus says this. And we're going to talk about exactly what that means. We've been using Proverbs 29, 18. Uh, read out of the King James this morning. It says, where there is no vision. The Hebrew word for vision is halzon, and it means revelation for your life. The people perish. Another version in the NIV says where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. And here's, the, here's the image. If you don't have a vision for your life, you'll do anything. If you don't have a direction that you're going, you'll do anything. 
If you don't go to Walmart with a plan, you'll buy everything. Come on, somebody. There's a reason, Rick. We go in there and go, I have a list. I have three things on my list. I'm going to get the little bitty blue cart. I'm going to buy the three things and I'm going to leave. I have a vision. But if you walk in and you don't have a vision, you're liable to just walk out with everything. And that's what happens in life. If we don't have an understanding, if if our life does not match up with what God's plan for our life is, if we don't really know him, we'll just kind of do whatever. And there are people in your life, or maybe you have in your past, just kind of done whatever. Because you didn't necessarily have a vision for your life. You didn't know who God was, so why not? There's no restraint. And God really wants us to have a plan. Look at, look at Psalm verse, uh, 16, verse 11 in the NLT. It says this, God, you will show me the way of life, and you will grant me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. We've talked about in the series that Jesus died so that we could find freedom. That's physical freedom, emotional freedom. He did. He died for all those things for us. He also died to to help us discover our purpose, and we talked about that. I've been talking about that for months, that you and I are created in God's image. We are created in God's likeness to make a difference, and you are also created for a purpose. Every person in this room bears the image of God in the inside of them. The question is, when people look at you, do they see that image? Do people see Jesus in you? And that's not just when you're doing things. That's also who you are. Do they see Jesus in you? They see the image of God in you. Because the reality is for every person in this room, God has a what's next step. What's next? Regardless of how young you are, how mature you are, a.k.a. old, (laughs) it doesn't matter. God has a next step for every person in this room. Everybody has a next step. The question is, what's yours? What is your next step in life? As we end this series, we're going to talk about what I feel is the most important thing today about knowing God. Because when we truly come to know him, we can come to know his plan for our life. Uh, The Greek word know, the New Testament, remember, is written in Aramaic and Greek. And the Greek word know it's called gnosko, and I've talked about this a hundred times because it's a very, very important word, gnosko. And here's what the Greek word gnosko means. A husband and wife relationship, this was the way they would talk to each other uh, in, in community. They would say, hey, those people are married and they know each other. They have an intimate relationship. It is a gnosko relationship. The most intimate relationship that you can have is gnosko. It's not, a, it's not someone that you know, like you, I know their name or I've spent a little time with them. It's like this is somebody that is very, very close to me, Gnosko. So when I talk today and I read some of these scriptures, that's the relationship that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about an intimate relationship. Look at Matthew today, chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. This is Jesus talking. Let's see what he has to say here. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, and here's the deal, there's going to be a that day when all of us are going to stand before the Lord, all of us, okay? And that's what Jesus is referring to here. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, now listen to this, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, drive out demons, 
and in your name perform many miracles. That sounds pretty cool, right? Prophesy, know things that other people don't know. Do miracles, pray for people and they recover. Cast out demons. Work at the backpack event. Didn't I, Lord, I was a greeter. I mean, we do all these things. He's talking about works, okay? And notice this, this is important. Jesus says, all those people, and he says, this is what will happen. I will tell them plainly, I never what? Knew you, Gnosko, away from me, you evildoers. Jesus said, it's not about works. It's about relationship. Say that again. It's not about works. It's about relationship. Now, let me clear something up so you never have to wonder about this again. If you are a Christ follower, if Jesus lives on the, side, on the inside of you, you're going to do works. <clears throat> Your faith is going to compel you to do works. Your faith is going to compel you to love people. But if Jesus is not on the inside of you and you're doing works to try to get in, it's not going to work. Is that clear? We should be as a church doing backpack events, Joey. We should be, guys, loving on people. Crystal, that's the way we ought to do. Aaron, we should be. People should know we're Christ followers. Jesus said, let everybody around you see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. But notice what he says, glorify who? Your Father, which intimates that there's already a relationship there. So if I'm a Christ follower, I'm going to do stuff that points people to Jesus. But if I'm not a Christ follower and I'm trying to do things to gain his approval, it's not going to work. Why? Jesus, God, is interested in a relationship with you. Gnosko. Jesus said, I depart from me. I never knew you. Interesting. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, and then 6 through 9. Then some Pharisees, these are religious leaders and teachers of the law, came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, now listen to this, I'm going to explain it. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, I'm going to explain what that is because on the surface, we don't necessarily know what it is. How many of you ever, we're talking about Mother's Day today, right? Grandmothers, mothers, moms, aunts. Um, you, you, uh, you were playing outside and you came inside and they said, it's time to eat. Go and wash your hands, right? That's not what I'm talking about here, but that just to give you a little context. Here's what it was. This is what would happen. There was, uh, they would walk in to eat and there was a ceremonial bowl right there, and they would dip their hands down into the water, okay, and they would lift their hands up. This is important. They would lift their hands up, and they would ceremonially wash their hands, and the water would run down their arms and drip off into the bowl. But if they held their hands over at all and the water dripped off the tip of their fingers, there was a religious leader standing right there and said, oh, you're going to hell. Jesus has a problem with stuff like that. Jesus has a problem with stuff like that. So now that you have that context, because before you're thinking, well, dude, my mom made me go wash my hands. No, this is not the same thing. So now that you have that context, listen to the rest of the story. Why do your disciples, Jesus, break the tradition of the elders? Tradition of the elders. That's important. They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, 
<laughs> now, listen to Jesus. And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? You will nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in their teachings are but rules taught by men. They don't know him. It's all about, did you wash your hands right? Is your hair cut right? Is it this, that, and the other thing? And it's that religious spirit. And notice, you see how many times Jesus dealt with these things. Jesus, now hear this, this is important. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law, but he also said the law is summed up in two commandments. What are they? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. He summed all that up. And he said, you guys are so worried about whether or not people are holding their mouth right. I'm going to get mad. <laughs> holding their mouth right or washing their hands right. And, and Jesus jumped on them, and that gives you some context there. Now, how many of you know God has a sense of humor? Thank you. Two people. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I'm about to prove to you, to everybody else, that God has a sense of humor. I received an email on Thursday that I'm going to read you. And... Uh, I think you guys will find this very interesting. None of y'all know this. Well, anyway. A gentleman emailed me, and here's what he said. Brother Clem, my wife Bernadette down and I, so it's not this Bernadette, so nobody get mad at her because it's not them. My wife Bernadette and I recently attended Highland Assembly of God a couple of weeks ago. We were visiting family on Easter weekend and decided to attend the church with the biggest building in town. Isn't that sweet? We were surprisingly impressed, and I'm not sure why he said surprisingly, impressed with the facilities and the welcoming environment. I'll oh, see, that's y'all. Isn't that sweet? However, what we witnessed during the service was rather frightening. We expected to observe the typical formal Assemblies of God attire from the church and staff. However, we were distracted by your flashy attire, your clothing was just too much for us. <laughs> we would ask that next time you please dress in more formal attire to better represent our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We, we recommend that you amend these issues immediately. Thank you for listening to our concerns, Desbrado. Bless their hearts. Now, some of you that know me, what do you think my immediate response was? I just am preparing this sermon. I'm just reading what Jesus is saying to people like that. <laughs> Straight up. You think God doesn't have a sense of humor? I'm reading this stuff, and then Pharisees are flipping emailing me, right? I'm like, seriously? Seriously? I'm serious. So, now listen. Listen to your pastor. Here's what I didn't do. <laughs> I didn't respond right then. I waited 24 hours. Somebody should write that down, Facebook people. <laughs> I waited 24 hours. This was Thursday, so Friday night. I sit down because I had my Jesus on by then, right? Y'all want to hear what I said? Okay, I'm not going to read all of it, but I'll read some of it. Now you're going, what did you not tell us? <laughs> Mr. Barato, 
Thanks so much for taking the time to attend church with us on Easter. I appreciate your comments about our church facilities and welcoming environment. Don't I sound professional? In regards to my attire and that of the staff, I would like to provide an explanation. Some of you don't know this, so I'm going to explain this to you. Eleven years ago, when we came to pastor here in Arkansas from South Texas, an elderly woman was introduced to me by one of our parishioners in our first, first month or so here at the church. She was not a member, but had dropped by the office during the week with her friend. I introduced myself, and during the conversation, invited her to church. Here's what she said. Oh, pastor, I would be glad to attend, but I don't have any nice clothes to wear, so I can't come. That remark stuck in my spirit. Ricky, you remember this. In our area, many of our residents are from backgrounds where they can't afford what we would consider nice church clothes maybe. Many are unchurched or de-churched, and having nicer clothes may be something they cannot afford. We don't have a problem with people dressing up, but we don't want to exclude anyone. After prayer and consulting with the church board and telling that story to the church, we made a decision that what people wear to church will not be an inhibitor to them coming. While we want people to dress modestly, we do not require them to dress beyond their means. We have stuck with that decision for over the last decade. While I understand that may not be something you are completely comfortable with, and I completely respect that, we have decided as a leadership team that is, that is the direction we plan to continue at this time. I certainly appreciate your input and respect your decision, even if you do not agree. If you would prefer, I would be glad to recommend some other churches in our area where you might feel more comfortable. And then I listed them, and they're friends of ours. Okay? Thank you. But I didn't say what I wanted to say, Marty. I didn't. Jesus was like, good job. I was like, I want to punch him in the head, Jesus. <laughs> but then I got a response, like just a few minutes after I submitted it. Brother Clem. <laughs> I was like, I was worried about this one, right? <laughs> Brother Clem, thank you for your heartfelt reply. We will take your recommendation into consideration upon our next visit. By the way, did you happen to read my name aloud? Gratefully, Desperado. 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 Signed, Austin Range, your other son. He is a jerk. I called him and said that. He answered like right there. I was, it didn't even hardly ring. He's like, yes. I'm like, you're a jerk. He had me on speakerphone. Taylor was sitting there next to him. She goes, dad, he's literally on the floor laughing. Yeah. Let me ask you a question though. Why did he use that illustration? Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Because he knew that would get to me. <laughs> Don't worry, he will be tased. <laughs> it's going to happen. Chloe, it's happening, okay? I'm just telling you. But here's the thing. He knew that would get to me because that religious spirit thing bothers me. Because that religious spirit doesn't let people get close to Jesus. They don't ever really see who he really is because of that. 
People are like, well, I don't know. Can I wash my hands right? What if I wash my hands wrong and then God kicks me out and sends me to hell? Or what if I don't have this? It's not about what you wear. I don't care if you wear a suit. Don't wear a swimsuit. <laughs> but just, just, it's not about that. You can dress up. That's great. Just dress appropriately. It's not about that. Listen. Listen, this is, this is the wisdom of God for you. If you get the inside right, the outside will change. But too many of us in life try to make the outside look good, and there's dead on the inside. And this is what Jesus said to the religious leaders. Hear this, people of God. He talked to the same people that were saying things like this to him. Here's what he said to them. He said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the inside or on the outside, but on the inside are dead men's bones. You're trying to make people keep this law that they can't keep, and that does not represent my father. And Jesus said he came to die to set that right. Guys, listen. Jesus died so that you could know God. He removed those barriers so that you and I could have an intimate relationship with God. That's why he came, so that we could fulfill the call of God in our life, Clint, so that we could be the people that he loves and he died for, Danny, so that we could walk in the fullness of that. And guys, that's what we need to do. So here's the question. If Jesus is serious about me knowing him, how do I do that? Because I don't want to be one of those people that does all this stuff, but at the end, I don't know him. Well, let me tell you, I'm going to simplify it, and then I'm going to go through three things. It's not going to take long, but this is important, okay? The best relationships in marriage or in dating are ones where, like, well, let's interact here a little bit. Tell me what you think makes a good marriage, somebody. Come on, give me just throw something out there. Communication. Communication. Wow, all the ladies. <laughs> Communication. True. What else? Trust. Trust. Very good. What else? Love, what else? Faithfulness, good, what else? Huh? Respect for your mate, good. That's, boy, those are, you guys are so smart. That's why every marriage in our church is incredibly ideal. <laughs> Y'all said, that's not funny. We're doing another marriage conference this fall. Just hold on, okay? Um, let me give you another one. Time. Time, time, communication, trust, all those things are exactly true. But here's the deal. What you value, you will spend time with. Whether that's a person or a thing, what you value. Jesus said where your treasure is is where your heart is. So one of the ways you measure that is your time, okay? And so when we talk about knowing God, if Jesus has died so that we could know God. He literally tore the veil in the temple, it says, was torn. Why? That, that veil in the temple, which was really thick, when it was torn, what that represented was the separation between us and God. Now, Gilbert, there's no more separation. But here's the thing. Jesus is pursuing us. The question is, are we pursuing him? I'll say that again. Jesus is pursuing us. The question is, are we pursuing him?
Because if the most important relationship you'll ever have is with him, how much time are you spending with him? Now, listen to me, guys. I'm not talking about opening up your Bible and spending 14 hours a day in your Bible. Because what's going to happen there is that's going to become religious because that's what those Pharisees were doing probably, or at least some of it. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. So how much quality time are you spending with God? Are you talking to him? Are you listening to him? Are you? Listen, I want to tell you guys something. And I'm going to end with these three points. This is incredibly important. This is the thing. Because if Jesus died for this, and all these things are available to me, then it's on me how, much, how close I'm going to be to him. I decide how good our relationship's going to be. Jesus is saying, look, I've ordered lunch. I'm at the table, and I'm waiting for you. Will you come? And he says that. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Let's get it back in your notes. Do you love me, Jesus says. Philippians 3, verse 10 in the NLT. This is Paul talking to the church at Philippi. And notice his language. I want to know Christ, gnosko. And I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Paul is saying, I want an intimate relationship with Jesus. So how do I get to know him? Number one is, I need to learn to love him because he loved me first. He loved me first. Do you know that God loves you no matter what? He does. Joey, he does. He loves you no matter what. He loves every person on this planet. He loves them. We are all his children. But how close we are in relationship is up to us. We get to choose that. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. And so I would encourage you, some of you today, that I'm really talking to two different groups. I'm talking to the Christ followers today. I'm talking to you that know him. You have a relationship with him. But here's the question I would ask you. How close is that relationship? Do you and Jesus, you're just kind of Facebook friends? Or do you know him? Do you have an intimate relationship with him? That's a good question. The other group, or maybe you don't know him at all. I know about him. I've heard of Jesus, but I don't know him. Can I tell you right now, everybody, he's pursuing you. He is pursuing you. He's there. He's calling you. He's drawing you. Things that happen, and you go, well, how did that happen? That, that was lucky. How did this happen? It, a lot of those things are God reaching out to you, and he's letting you know that he's there, and he's just waiting for you to turn around. And he's right there because he loved you first. First. Number two, you need to pursue him with all of your heart. Pursue him with all of your heart. Have you ever been to a junior high track meet? Anybody? Junior high track meet? When I was in school, which was back during the Olympic times in Greece, um, but I remember that, that, that when you, we, we had to be in track. It wasn't like an optional thing. 
you know, and so you were in track. And so the way our coaches worked is they would look and say, okay, I need you guys to run this and I need you guys to run that. And then for whatever reason, <laughs> they picked me to run the hurdles, but not like the short hurdles, like they're around the track hurdles, the 330 low hurdles, I think it was called. Now look at me. I'm not built to hurdle anything, Okay. And so, but obviously I wasn't this big back then, but I was still a pretty big guy. And, and I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't think I was built like a hurdle. But it's funny when you watch those races, like a junior high race, you know who's there because they want to be. And then you know who's there who's just there because I got to be. I just have to do this. And I remember running and guys straight up, I was actually winning the race. It was awesome. And, and so I'm running and I'm winning, but then something happened. Like after the third hurdle, I got what you call tired, <laughs> but there were still all these hurdles, which was very inconvenient. And I remember running and I remember running and I jumped sort what, yeah, it was jumping and I hit the hurdle, but instead of my leg going over the hurdle, Rod, it hit the hurdle and I knocked the hurdle down and then it got caught on my leg. So now I'm running, me and the hurdle are running together <laughs> to his other friend, the hurdle. And so I'm running and I'm dragging this hurdle and everybody's catching me because I'm encumbered. And so this time I thought I can still win this thing. Now, apparently there are penalties if you just run through the hurdles, but that's what I did. I finished the race. I did not even try to jump the rest of the hurdles. I just ran down my lane and just ran into the hurdles. And I did not win. I was not what you call motivated. <laughs> I wasn't pursuing to be an Olympic hurdler runner thing. Some of us pursue Christ that way. Well, I'm supposed to go to church. That's what I'm supposed to do. And yet later in life, for some of you like me, you begin to realize, I need him. Just like we sang that song. Because you know what I figured out? Sometimes life's hard. Anybody? Sometimes life gets challenging. And it's not about me just running. It's not about me just going to church. It's like, I need him. I need help. I need purpose. I need vision for my life. I need truth. I need somebody I can trust. I need Jesus. I need him. Because you know what? I need to pursue him with all my heart. So here's the thing. It's going to take effort. You are not ever, just listen to me, you're never going to accidentally become the person you want to be. You're not. You're not going to wake up one day and I knew it was going to happen. Now I'm perfect. Just look at me. I have no idea why I'm talking like this right now. <laughs> Seem like the voice you should use. Right? You're not going to just wake up one day and you're not going to just arrive. If you're going to become the person that God's called you to be, it's going to take effort. You're going to have to say no to some things so you can say yes to some other things. You're going to have to make God a priority in your life. And let me just pry in your business for a minute. If you expect your marriage relationship to be good, it's going to take effort. Now, Trisha and I are a little bit different. She chased me until I got tired. It's like, whatever. Okay. 
Happy Mother's Day, babe. Happy Mother's Day. I'm your greatest gift. There's that voice again. Yeah, I'm in trouble. But here's what I would say to you. Listen, listen to this, Jeremiah 29, 13. Listen to this. You will seek me and you will what? When you seek me with what? What's that sound like to you? What does all your heart sound like? Does that sound like accidentally? On purpose. And I want to tell you something right now, guys. He's, he's done it all. It's on you. If you want to know him, you say, well, pastor, I don't know a whole lot. Listen, you don't have to know a whole lot. You just need to draw close to him. You just need to draw close to him. So number one, love, you need to love him because he first loved you. Second thing is you need to pursue him with all your heart. Here's the third thing. Come on up, Wes. Here's the third thing. I need to give him my life. I need to give him my life. Let me ask you a question. How many of you remember the Nestle Plunge? Come on, my people. Nestle Plunge. Everybody over 40. I love y'all. Some of y'all are going, what's, what's Nestle? Okay. Back, back, in the, mm-hmm, back in the day... Back when TV only had three stations, there was a commercial, and it was called Take the Nestle Plunge. And what the Nestle Plunge was, was this guy drinking tea. But it wasn't, there was a swimming pool, right? And and he didn't go over and just stick stick his finger in the water. It's like, oh, no. You got to take the Nestle Plunge. And here's what it was. He walked up to the edge of the pool and turned around backwards, held his arms out, and fell back into the pool. Come on, somebody. Nestle plunge, baby. Can I tell you something? And I'm just being, this is just me. When I think of giving my life to Jesus, I promise you, that's the image. It's all. It's all. Give him my life. That's all of it. When I got on that airplane the other night, last night, a little while ago, (laughs) I trusted my life to somebody I didn't even know. By the way, to fly through bad weather. And yet I have God who's pursuing me, who says, I have a plan for your life, and it's good but you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to take the Nestle plunge because that's the only way this works. Some of you maybe have been trying Jesus. That's religion. That's what Pharisees did. We're going to try a little bit of God. That's that's not what God calls us to. Jesus (laughs) Jesus didn't die so you could try him out. He died to make a way for you to come back home. He died so that you can be free. And what he expects from you is everything. Stan, that's what, that's, you say, man, pastor, that's a lot. You mean everything, Tyler, everything? Yeah. He's uniquely qualified to do that. 
He's the only person ever that deserves that kind of commitment. You know why? Because he loved you first and he gave everything first. He's already done it. Look at this scripture. Luke chapter nine, verse 24. This is Jesus talking. Somebody, this is about to change your life right now. It's what Jesus said. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. He said the only way to find your life is to let it go. Nesty plunge. So here's the thing, and I'm going to close right now. You need to commit. Some of you that were like me that grew up in church, I'm talking to you right now. You're a Christ follower, but you're not really all in. And I'm not condemning you because I've lived a lot of my life that way. I've lived a lot of my life like that. If you really want to experience all that God has for you, you need to go all in with Jesus. Here I am, Lord. Mess, all of me, but I'm yours. Maybe you're, so that's one group. Here's the other group. Maybe you've never made a commitment to Christ. Maybe you haven't. But I want you to know something. I'm here to introduce you to him today. Maybe your life's messed up. You need a doctor. Well, I know a doctor and he's the best. He fixes broken hearts and broken minds and broken bodies. That's what he does. And I'm gonna introduce you to him. And he's gonna fix you. So you're one or the other. You're one or the other. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these people. Lord, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know that I can love a group of people more than I love these people. That you've given them to us. You've given them to my family as a gift. They are a gift. And Father, the greatest thing that I can give back to them, Trisha and I, it's the greatest thing we can give them is to introduce them to you in a deeper way because you have changed us and you are still changing us. And so, Father, I pray right now for the people that are here, the person that's here, because I was praying for them earlier, the person that's here that maybe has grown up in church or maybe they they know about you, but they really don't know you in that intimate way, but they want to know you on a deeper level. And they want to say, yeah, Jesus, I'm in. I'm all in. Here I am. If that's you today and you're here, nobody's looking around. If you're here today and you realize you may be a Christ follower, but you need to go all in. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I want to go all in with Jesus. Is that you today? Slip your hand up. I see your hand. Amen. 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 I see your hand. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus at all. Can I just tell you, you're not here by accident. God loves you. 
and you're here because he wanted to talk to you about this and he knows you're ready to make a change. Maybe you've been trying, but you don't know how. Today is your day. The king of the universe, king of the universe brought this moment in time for you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, but you want to, that you need him. You need a savior. We all need a savior. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, it's me. I need Jesus. Amen. I need him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Everybody look up here just a second. We had some people raise their hand. So here's what I'm assuming. You're right where you want to be. If you didn't raise your hand, you're saying, yep, I'm good. Is that true? Or do you feel like you need to go deeper with Jesus? It's a question. The truth is, all of us should be raising our hands. I'm not where I want to be. I am not where I want to be. So here's the deal. I'm going to raise my hands for you. Because I need to be better. I need to be more like him. I need more of Jesus. So if you think I've got it figured out, you're wrong. But here's what I do know. He does. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for all of us. You okay with that? If you're not okay with that, I'm doing it anyway. That's on you, so too bad. We need to know him, Paul says, in the power of his resurrection. Amen? Let's all stand this morning. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you, Lord, that you tore down the veil between us and what separated us from God, that there is now no separation, that we have access to our Father and your Father, you said, to our God and your God, you said, to my God and your God. So, Lord, today I ask you in Jesus' name to go all in, Lord. I want to go all in with you. And Lord, you know in the past I've done that, but I want to do it again. Father, change me from the inside out. I don't want to be religious. And Lord, I know there's a lot of people in here that don't want to be religious. Lord, change us. Change our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would work in our lives and those areas that we need help, those areas that we need work. Lord, that we would just reflect you and that you would clean us from the inside out. And Father, that then the works that we do, people would see it and would glorify you. Thank you for that, Jesus. I want to be all in with you, Lord. All in. And everybody said, amen. Now listen, moms, grandmothers, aunts, some of you are raising kids. Some of you from other people. It's hard. Being a mom's hard, isn't it? Some of you are still raising your husband. Come on, let's get real right now. 
right? Amen. I saw that hand. Wow. But you know what? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for raising good kids and raising good husbands. We appreciate you guys. So, so on behalf of Trish and I both, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. And if you didn't get your flower, go ahead and get one. And uh, enjoy that as you leave today, all right? God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you later this week. Hey, if some of you want to help the youth with the chairs, they're going to be setting the chairs back up. So anybody that can stay and help them, we would appreciate that. Thank you very much. Shoot me down, down.